Amen? Amen. Go ahead and take your seats, church. Good to see you here in the room and uh, to have you at home on live stream. It's great to be gathered as the church in all these various ways, so that's exciting for sure. And um, this, um, this message that um, I'm going to bring this morning, a little unusual maybe for like our first week back in, in person, and actually our plan had been to um, start a new series uh, this morning with the launching of the in-person services. And then a couple of weeks ago, of course, uh, some of you know that I um, started to be symptomatic on Friday. And there was a time when getting the flu was just getting the flu. And now getting the flu is you got symptoms that everybody's like, he's a leper, stay away kind of thing. So I went for a test and um, it created some anxious moments for our bride and groom that are sitting down here. And congratulations, guys, and welcome back. But, um, you know, yeah, sure, go ahead, Emil and Allie. Yep. Um, but anyways, I had to have the weekend off while I waited for a negative COVID test, which I got on the Monday. And, um, and so that message, all that to say, that message got bumped to this morning. And uh, so delivering that and we'll start a new series uh, next Sunday uh, with all of that. But um, I, don't, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot has changed. Uh, I preached the State of the Church uh, message on February the 2nd, but then on March 13th, quite a few things changed for us in society. Did you notice that a lot, a lot changed? And, uh, and so it, it created an opportunity here because in that message in February, I, we kind of took a quick look back at 2019 and we thanked God for that. And then we uh, looked at uh, where we were at as a church at that moment, and then we kind of set this vision for the future, but then uh, the future got so radically altered on that uh, Friday in March that um, all bets were off. And uh, the one vision thing that we did have going into this year, though, is we had two very packed out services at 9 and 11. The church was basically full, the parking lot was full. And uh, we knew we needed to start a third service, so, you know, here we are. We have three services now. Uh, not quite the same number of chairs or people, but we uh, achieved the vision, everyone. We have three services now. So, um, But anyways, obviously a lot changed, and so we, we thought that um, a revisioning or a, a, a revisiting of the state of the church uh, to kind of reset here at the end of September and going into the fall— and essentially in this, this uh, message, we're answering the question, what is the state of the church or how is the church doing? And I've been talking to a lot of pastors, as you can imagine, over the last six months. I've talked to pastors across our country in the United States and in a couple of other countries. And, um, and when we ask the question of each other, like, how's, so how's the church doing? And the reality is that no pastor can really answer the question. I don't, I don't know how my church is doing. Because it's really hard to have your finger on the pulse of a thing when you're not actually gathering everyone together. It presented some very unique challenges for everybody. So when we ask the question, we certainly are not able to give an answer based on the old ways of evaluating those things. For example, Sunday attendance would be one of those ways. A lot of things have been written on this, and Tom Rayner, who uh, writes prolifically about trends in the church and church leadership, uh, he offered this in mid-August in a, um, in a uh, article that he published, and uh, he said this on the more the dark, bad side of how this is affecting everything, and by this I mean the pandemic. He said, at least 20% of those who attended before the pandemic will not return to church. 
Now, what that means in real numbers to us, for example, is here at Harvest, we would have uh, 1,300 people pre-pandemic who said that Harvest is their church home. We wouldn't see all those people every weekend. Obviously, some were working, some were sick, some were away. Uh, but, um, but 1,300 people said Harvest is our church home. And if, if you lop 20% off of that, we've now lost them because of the pandemic, then that's 260 people gone, and that brings our number to just over 1,000 people now identify Harvest as their church home. And if you look at it in terms of our attendance, pre-pandemic we were seeing over 900 people on a weekend, and now that number is going to be down in the 700s. And so we just expect that, that that could be the reality for us as it is for most churches. Um, secondly, he said more pastors will leave vocational ministry over the next 12 months than at any time in recent history. And uh, I don't have a lot of time here, nor is it the purpose of this message to go into all of the ways that this has really um, hurt pastors, how it's been difficult for pastors. I know it's been difficult for a lot of people, um, but pastors who have the spiritual oversight for example, in our case, of more than a thousand people, people who represent different perspectives on things from one extreme to the other extreme and everything in between, and trying to care for that entire group in a whole new way without gathering together for worship has presented some challenges. I uh, know pastors personally and have talked to them who have stepped away from ministry, one on indefinite leave, one uh, stepped away entirely for right now, and, and uh, the weight on pastors has been Tremendous. And then um, I'm just going to add something to this slide before we move on. Um, Barna reports that 20% of U.S. churches, as a result of the pandemic, will close permanently. One in five churches that were open before the pandemic will close permanently. And uh, Graham Singh, who pastors a church in Montreal, and uh, he wrote an op ed for the Montreal Gazette, and in that article, he said that um, he said that that number he quoted the Barna number: one in five churches will close permanently. He said the number in Canada is more likely to be two in five, or forty percent of all churches in Canada may close as a result of the pandemic. And so that's that's obviously a massive concern because when you look at this, you're talking about the pandemic having a hit on attendance the pandemic having a hit on pastors and on churches. Now, it's not all bad news. More optimistically, Rayner added uh, these comments. Uh, churches will move as a result of the pandemic to a new emphasis on conversion growth. And uh, that's a good thing, that we would be back on mission, that we would recognize that in the culture around us, people have some very real needs, and those have been exposed by the pandemic, and there's a greater opportunity for us now to witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ to them and to let them know that faith in Christ can carry them. And so a move toward an emphasis on conversion growth. Uh, churches will start more churches, and many of them as micro-churches. And uh, we had a—this fits in with what, a plan that we were discussing early in the pandemic when we were wondering at the time, and this is going back to April, like, will we be able to get back into this building? And what if we don't for a protracted period of time? And, and what if the limits on the numbers are such that we need to look at a completely different option? And so we were actually looking at the option of spreading ourselves out around the entire county. And one thing that a lot of people don't know is that Simcoe County, by geography, is the second largest county in Ontario. It's a broad area, lots of different communities, and we have people that come from almost all of those communities. And so the idea was 
maybe we're going to be a church of 20 people here and 30 people there and 40 people there spread out all over the county. And that's really the concept here. And that is being considered and executed by quite a number of churches now. And then uh, finally, two movements will grow rapidly, church adoption and church fostering. And this is really thinking back to those one in five or two in five churches that might close as a result of the pandemic. Well, some of those churches could be helped to survive if mature churches with momentum and the resources came alongside those churches and either adopted them into their family, we're going to make you a campus or a satellite site of our church and throw their covering over it, or for a season came alongside and fostered them back to health. And so um, that is certainly uh, something that um, is a positive. Those, all three of those are positives that are coming out of this pandemic. Now, for both of those articles, the Tom Rayner article and the Graham Singh article, the links for those, if you want to read the entire article, the links are in HBC at hbc.info in the sermon notes, and uh, you can read those afterwards. Don't read them now because I'm still talking. So, with all of that, it's kind of the setup now. There's, there's where we are. Um, let's revisit the state of the church. Let's start with a financial update. Um, if you've been a regular giver in 2020, uh, you should have already received a letter from me thanking you for uh, sticking with it in the midst of these uncertain days. And it's been uncertain economically. It's been uncertain in so many different ways, but certainly economically, different industries have been affected in, in uh, in many ways, people out of work, people underemployed, and so on. And, and yet, uh, you have continued to give in a way uh, that has been not only like regular giving maintained, but really in an extraordinary way. And your consistent and generous giving has actually allowed us not just to survive this. It wasn't like we were going, okay, we're just going to kind of muddle through here with this amount of money, and we're going to have to cut this and not do this and not do these things. But really, we've been able to thrive in the midst of this pandemic, and we've been able to make decisions toward expanding the ministry and moving forward with vision initiatives. And so we're grateful for your consistent and generous giving that's allowed that uh, to happen so that we can move forward in the weeks, months, and years ahead. And so here's something to rejoice in. I'll just give you some numbers. As of September the 20th, we have budgeted to receive 974000 but we have actually received 1049000 for a surplus of 75000 on the revenue side. So you want to rejoice in that? I see some of you wanting to do that. The health unit is not prohibiting clapping, praise the Lord. And so, um, so now that's just on the offering or the revenue side of things. It does not account for expenses, but I can tell you that as of August 31, we've closed that month off in terms of expenses now, and our expenses are under revenues. In other words, we're spending less than we're bringing in, which is a good habit for every household here, amen? Every house, uh, spend less than you bring in, and uh, so I can say we're doing that, and so we are in an actual uh, surplus position revenue to expenses, and we praise God for that. The account balances um, as of this week, uh, our current account or our checking account is $43,000. I was interested to hear the prime minister just writing more checks for everybody and everything uh, this week because we're still waiting for our check from the feds for our summer internship program. So that 43000 will go up as soon as they pay us for the interns they said we could hire. Um, our HOPE Fund is sitting at $24,000, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. Our Savings Reserve is sitting at uh, $211,000, our Building Fund at $135,000. Our uh, debt 
Yeah, so that's all the good news. Can we talk about debt now? So our, our debt, our first mortgage sitting at 5% is $2.3 million. That was the purchase of this facility and property. And then our second mortgage, which is really a line of credit, is at 8%. <clears throat> this is the residual construction loan that was left over after our campaign ended on December 31st. <clears throat> so it's $735,000. You can think of that as being like credit card debt or a line of credit debt that you have in addition to your mortgage. <clears throat> and obviously, that's a bit of the struggle for us. Those two payments, I, I could say this, our, our first mortgage, the, the payment monthly is 14500 and our second mortgage or line of credit is $12,600. Now, overall, this is a really amazing report financially. Uh, we understand from a recent survey that, uh, that Waybase did that uh, only 4% of churches in Canada are seeing an increase in giving through the pandemic, and we are in that 4%. Uh, the 96% of churches are facing either a, a plateau or a decline in giving, and we're very grateful for the grace of God. We thank Him for His uh, kindness and His generosity toward us through His people. The only part that's really a cause for concern here. Um, and I mentioned this in February, and I'll keep mentioning it until it's not there to mention anymore, but it's the second mortgage. At 8%, it's a debt that we, um, that we want gone as soon as possible. Our finance team is discussing options for this, including asking our lenders. We've had meetings with our current lenders and our uh, other, le- other lenders that we have access to, including our current bank, to see if we can consolidate that and renew that Uh, 14 months ahead of the renewal date of the mortgage in December 2021. And so we're actively working on all that. We've talked about a bond issue, which would allow members of our congregation to actually hold the debt at a a better interest rate for us, but still a good interest rate for bonds. And so we're working on all of these things. We're talking about potentially pushing some of the money that's in our savings and in our building fund uh, over to that debt to eliminate it. So we're not paying that 8%. And when you think about that 12600 payment every month going on that line of credit, we just realized that if that almost $13,000 could be leveraged for ministry, uh, that we would have uh, the capability of doing even more toward our vision initiatives than we currently uh, can do. And so, um, so we're excited about where God has us. We're working on some things that we know we need to eliminate. Uh, the elders are also talking about an end-of-year push to eliminate as much of that second mortgage as we can. If you uh, have an extra $735,000 right now, I'll talk to you at the end of the service. But even if you have like half of that, we'd be fine with that. Um, but let's, uh, I think it's going to be more like all of us, you know, kind of pinching in to, to get that uh, done. All right, that's on the financial side. If you have ever have any questions about the financial side, you can just email us at finance at harvestberry.ca or Wendy's address. It's available on the website. Give us a call. We're more than happy to answer any questions that you might have about the finances. All right, let's talk about people numbers. <coughs> Excuse me. It's really become very difficult to gauge... Um, what our weekly attendance is right now. And a lot of churches are, um, I'll just say this, um, a lot of churches are playing fast and loose with video view numbers and claiming more people than really are watching. Um, So we've been really careful with our video view numbers to make sure that we're tracking people who are actually being retained and watching the service, not just people who 
watch six seconds of it on Facebook. That's not really what we're going for. And so we're tracking uh, video views, connect form submissions, check-ins, which come through your connect form. It's so important that when you attend, either on the live stream, if you attend on the live stream or you attend uh, in person, that you go to hbc.info and let us know that you're here with the connect form. Uh, Check-ins come through that. And then uh, when we look at all that, video video views and and connect form submissions and check-ins and and those who give uh, on a weekly basis, we track all of that. And those numbers have remained very, very steady for us for, throughout the 28 weeks of the pandemic. So we're grateful for that. <clears throat> we've know, we know we've picked up some new people. In each of the first two services that we've had here today, I've met people who have joined us since the pandemic started and have only been to live stream services, but this was their first in-person service. So that's great to have new people that are continuing to come to Harvest and uh, we've had a, a few people uh, who have moved on in this season and decided to attend other churches. And I'm sure, as Tom Rayner noted, we've just lost some people off the top that are no longer attending. We've continued to run Harvest Kids, Awana Youth, small groups, and those ministries that took a summer break uh, will be launching again in the coming weeks. Uh, we've responded to many, many needs through our Hope Fund. I said I would come back to this. But 60, we've set a record this year, $61,000 has come into our Hope Fund this year, and we have dispersed $36,000 worth of Hope Fund money out to people in need. So we have paid mortgage payments, we've paid rent, we've paid utilities, we've done car repairs, we've bought gas cards and grocery cards, we've paid legal fees for people. We've just done a lot of things to encourage people and to help people who have may have gotten into a difficult situation as a result of the pandemic and found it difficult right now. And the love of Christ that you've been showing by continuing to give and keep that hope fund in a good, solid place where we can meet those needs has been extraordinary. So I'm so grateful for your love for others and, and the way that you've responded. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, many hundreds and hundreds of cards have been written. Hopefully you've received one. Many uh, calls have been made. Video meetings have been held with church family. Elders and staff have continued to serve and to meet with and lead our church. There's been training uh, meetings that have happened. There's been the Lord's Table, outdoor services. Pastor Roger and Steph have been on top of soul care and meeting with people throughout this time. There have been funerals. There have been weddings. There have been all of these things happening over the last six months. The life of the church has not ceased Uh, one bit in the midst of the pandemic. And we've had a certain number. I realize that some ministries, we haven't needed volunteers over the last six months, but a lot of ministries we have, and certainly grateful for um, our volunteers in production and worship, our leaders in small group ministry who've carried on, children and youth uh, volunteers who have carried on their ministries, and we're grateful for all of that. And then all of you who came back to serve this week in our welcome teams and out in the parking lot, Uh, We're certainly grateful for all of you. So finances, people. Now let's talk for a few minutes about our pandemic ideology. In other words, what we believe about the pandemic. And this is important because we have taken a certain stance. And the reason why we're restarting our in-person worship in September is because we believe certain things about this pandemic. And we've responded in that way. Um, we have taken a particular response with respect to the government restrictions. Um, that has not set well, let's be honest, it's not set well with everybody in our church. Um, and I respect the differences of 
perspective that people may have on this will understand that Christians represent the, uh, the population at large in the sense that we have people on all ends of the spectrum, on both ends of the spectrum and everything in between in terms of their perspective on the pandemic and the restrictions and, and all of this. And really, as we sought to find our place in all of this, we understood that essentially the two extremes or the two poles that were established with all of this were, were probably established or at least represented by two U.S. megachurches. And on the one side, we have those who are so committed to online church and were so committed to live streaming that they didn't see much and they still don't see much point in getting people together or making the effort to get people together for in-person worships anytime soon. And those churches we could just represent, I'll just pick a name out of a hat, we'll just call those the Pastor Andy crew. And uh, that crew is committed to live streams and they're working on that and haven't said when they're going to come back except maybe sometime next year. That's one extreme. In the other extreme, the other corner are those who are fed up with the government and in acts of civil disobedience are meeting uh, for worship in a way that is defying restrictions in their jurisdiction. So um, no mass, no physical distancing, or at least no enforcement of those things, no prohibition on singing, though their health units would tell them they shouldn't be singing. Um, and we might call that, um, let's just call that Pastor John's group. And so on the one hand, we have Pastor John and all of his followers and churches that have kind of gone his way. And on the other hand, we have Pastor Andy and his group have gone a, a different way. And we have landed somewhere uh, between those two poles, those two extremes, um, because of what we believe about the church. And what we believe about the church, we get from the Word of God. And I thought about Matthew chapter 16 in this great situation where uh, Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? And then he asked Peter very directly, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the one that we've been waiting for. And Jesus affirms Peter and he says, on this rock, on this declaration, on this confession that you've just made that I'm the Messiah, he says, I will build my church. And then he says this, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's awesome, isn't it? On this declaration that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Messiah, that's what Jesus is building the church on, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I'm, I'm, I've never been in the military. I don't understand anything about military strategy. Everything I've learned about military strategy, I've learned from Hollywood. Okay, that's all I know. But what I do know when I read a passage like this is gates are a defensive structure. They're not for offense. They're defensive. So when you think about Jesus referring to the gates of hell, he's saying hell is held up behind walls and they've affixed the gate and they're not assaulting anyone. They're actually back here in a defensive posture and it's the church that's assaulting hell. As Christians for too long, we've had the notion that we're on the defensive and hell keeps assaulting us. But that's not biblical. Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church is on the offensive. And hell cannot prevail against us. 
And it's not because of anything that we've done. It's not because we're such an innovative church or we're such a visionary church or we have so many people or we have all these monetary resources or we have this great building or you know, we're just willing to pay the price and we just believe the right things. It's not because of us. It's entirely because of Jesus Christ. It's because of the work that He's done. It's because of who He is. It's because He is the Son of God. That's who He is. And it's because He is the Messiah, what He's done. He gave His life on the cross for us, and He rose from the grave victoriously. The tomb is empty. That's the confession that Peter makes. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what the church is being built on. That confession. And so it's all about what Jesus has done. He's the one building the church. And because he's the one building the church, nothing can stop it. Certainly not a pandemic. Nothing can stop the building of the church of Jesus Christ. Not a pandemic. And as history has proven time and time again, no government... Federal, provincial, local governments cannot hinder the building of the church of Jesus Christ. And so this this robust ecclesiology that we have, this belief about the church, this is what we must embrace. And sadly, too many Christians have gotten off track with this and are beginning to preach the wrong message. So upset about mass, so upset about not being able to meet, so upset about physical distancing, that we've become preachers and evangelists for the wrong things. A mask will not hinder the building of the church of Jesus Christ. Six feet between me and you will not hinder the building of the church of Jesus Christ. Not singing in church will not hinder the building of the church of Jesus Christ. And so, wear your mask and proclaim Christ. Stand six feet apart and proclaim Christ. Come to a service that doesn't have all the people in it. Watch on the live stream. Do whatever you need to do, but we're still on mission for Christ. Amen? Still on mission for Him. And so as that all plays out for us, we must be eager... And I could speak to the live stream crowd in particular. We must be eager to gather together. There's some good reasons why you might be at home and watching on the live stream. I get that. There might be a pre-existing health condition or some other reason that's preventing you from being here. But there should be a deep longing inside of you to be with God's people. The church should not be cavalier about how amazing live streams are. It's serving our purposes. And there are some benefits to live stream. We get it. We've experienced them. But let's also freely admit that live streams are far from the ideal. I don't need to convince anybody in the room because you've come here today because you're sick of live streams. I want to be with people, even if it is limited. But our hearts should be sick about what has happened over the last six months. We should be sick over the fact that we couldn't meet for worship all these months and weeks. We should miss the buzz of conversations in our lobby. We should, we should miss all the kids who are booking it from Harvest Kids to get to the cafe to drink all the cream. They actually do that. 
We should miss the handshakes and the hugs. We're a warm, friendly church. And that's been taken from us. And listen, we should hate that. We should miss the sound of our voices being raised in the worship center. We should miss all of that, but we should not stoop so low as to think that the church is only the church if it meets at a certain time in a certain place and performs a certain number of liturgies. It's It's not about we have to be you know, Sunday morning in this building and we have to sing. Those things might be ideal, they might be wonderful, but the church is still the church if none of those three things happen. Throughout the last 20 centuries, there have always been Christians who did not have the luxury of meeting in a church building. Throughout the last 20 centuries, there have always been Christians who couldn't have set times for worship. There are Christians right now who cannot advertise the where and when of their services, but they have to pass it along. Just pass the information along one person at a time. They can't put it on the internet. They can't publish it in a brochure. They can't tell anybody about it. There's no posters. That's always been true. They guard it, their copies of the Word of God with their lives, lest they be taken from them by the authorities. If they say, If they sang, they sang in hushed tones so as not to be heard. Christians this morning are meeting in forests and privately, quietly in homes. In the first and second centuries, Christians met in Rome, in the catacombs, underground. Were they less of a church because they didn't have a building and they didn't meet on Sunday morning and they couldn't sing? Were they less of a church? See, I I suspect they might have been more of a church. So we've avoided the extremes. And I was really... Blessed to read this. My uh, sons pointed this out to me. It was on Facebook. Uh, Pastor Paul Carter, some of you may know, at Cornerstone uh, Baptist Church up in Aurelia. Paul's a great writer, a great thinker, a great pastor. And uh, he wrote this. He was um, reposting a, a tweet that I'll share with you in a moment. But he wrote this. My undergrad degree was in classics and religious studies. I took two science courses. Neither were in epidemiology. My master's degree did not require me to take any additional science classes, thus I do not feel confident in disagreeing with the medical professionals in our community. That isn't a lack of courage. Now, the reason why Paul says that is because many pastors who have taken the stand that I've taken and led their church to not meet for all these months, we have been accused of being fearful and lacking courage in the face of these things. That's why Paul's writing this, okay? He's speaking for us. 
That isn't a lack of courage. That's self-awareness. If there was an evident malice in the decision-making of our local health unit toward the church, I would, make it, I would take a different stance. But they've been fantastic with us, and we will once again be hosting the largest public gathering in our city this coming Sunday. So for now, until someone with some actual science training can prove to me that this virus is a hoax or a non-event in terms of consequences, I'm going to take responsible precautions out of love for my neighbors. Now, he's under the same health unit that, that we're under. And, and, and Jordan and Joel have called the health unit, and I've emailed the health unit, and we've talked to them so much that Harvest Bible Chapel is well known to the health unit in Simcoe, Muskoka, for the right reasons. We've invited them to come and look at our systems, and we've asked them questions, and how do we do this, and could we do this instead? And they've responded to some of the things that we've said, and we've been so encouraged by that. So we see no reason to push back on those rules right now. Now, here's the tweet that Paul is referring to when he writes this. It's tiring for us as pastors to be attacked for lacking courage because we happen to think public health officials know more about epidemiology than we do. Maybe it's courage to submit to expertise even though we hate what this virus is doing to public worship more than anyone. Does that say it? We hate it. We hate what this has done. And we're going to listen to our health unit. So we've avoided the extremes. We long to be together and thank the Lord. He's made that possible here uh, this Sunday. We are no less of a church, though, We are no less assaulting the gates of hell when we're meeting on a live stream. In fact, I would say that the fact that we've been able to gather in three services today and we've been able to lift our hearts in worship and hear the Word of God and gather together in this fellowship, this has been an assault three times over on the gates of hell this morning. Praise the Lord for that. But it is no less an assault on the gates of hell that people are watching on the live stream. And the very fact that on Friday, March the 13th, as we were sitting in a staff meeting and trying to figure out what we were going to do that weekend, because the restrictions hadn't come down yet, we're in the midst of that meeting when the premier made his announcement, and we pivoted quickly and said, no meeting this Sunday, we're going to go to live stream, which we had never done before, and in 48 hours, our team had a live stream up. And on Sunday, March the 15th, the gates of hell were assaulted by the praises of God's people from hundreds of locations in Simcoe County. Amen. Amen. And in fact, not just us, but tens of thousands of churches that had never run live streams were online and worshiping Jesus Christ on that Sunday. And the gates of hell who thought, he thought they had such a great plan with this pandemic. The gates of hell were assaulted by the church of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is no less in the midst of the church, whether it's live stream or in person. The pandemic has in no way diminished what Christ has built or is building, and hell is not prevailing against us because hell cannot prevail against us. So praise the Lord for that. So as we uh, move now to uh, just looking at some vision items, that kind of sets the stage. And that was, if you didn't notice, the sermon part of what we were just doing here. I hope you all caught that. That was definitely the sermon part. But let's look at some vision items. And really by vision, what I'm talking about is how are we going to continue to assault the gates of hell? 
These are the things that we want to do. And we've broken it up into just some short-term and long-term vision items. And um, even when I talk about that short-term vision, I'm really just talking about the next three months. And when I talk about longer term, I'm talking about maybe 12 months. Um, So we're not talking about a five or 10 year plan here for the church. We're talking about things are still so very fluid that we're thinking in in very short term um, ways. So short term vision, um, first of all, uh, launching a new ministry year for Harvest Kids, Awana, Junior, Senior, High, Youth, Small Groups, Biblical Soul Care, and we're going to have a new leadership series uh, session this coming Thursday. And so what I want to say about all of that is we're, we're attempting to move the church back to some sense of normal ministry, whatever normal is. The new abnormal is a phrase that we've been using. But the, the reality is we're trying to offer some things that we offered before, limited ways, restricted ways, in some cases hybrid ways, both in person and uh, via live stream. And I get that a lot of us are facing mental and, and emotional fatigue right now. But the last six months has really taken a toll on us. And so it might be difficult to even carve out a sliver of that and to say, you know what, um, Thursday night I really should be taking in that leadership series, but I just don't feel like I have it in me. And we need to find a, a, a new gear. We need, to, we need to really dig a little deeper here and, and start to get back to this sense of normalcy. And again, uh, I'm, to, to those of you who are in the room, you've already taken a step toward that today, but we need people to serve. And one of the reasons why there was no children's ministry in this 1130 service is because we didn't have the volunteers to staff it. And I know how much work Pastor Dwayne did to try and recruit people to do welcome ministry on parking lot. And so we need to take some steps here to come back and to begin serving in this uh, kind of new abnormal. So we're launching this ministry year. Thursday is going to be amazing with uh, Pastor Charles Price is going to be with us. And again, that's in person and, and live stream. You register for it. We've waived the fee for this one. So we just want you to come and be a part of that evening on Thursday. And you can register for that at hbc.info under what's happening. Uh, secondly, we're relaunching in-person worship today, September 20th. The check, vision accomplished, gates of hell assaulted. Amen? All right. Third, um, new series starting next week in Romans. was supposed to start this Sunday, but starting in Romans 1 to 3. This is the, called The Power of the Gospel, 16 messages in those eight chapters. And um, we're going to do eight of those before Christmas and eight after Christmas. It's going to be a great series. I mean, it's Romans. You know, it's going to be good stuff, not because of the preacher, but because of the material he gets to preach. So um, it's going to be a great series. We're looking forward to that. Number four, we're going to hold the 2020 annual members meeting. It's going to be a hybrid event in person and live stream. And we're going to, drum roll please, drum roll please. Good job, guys. Nice. We're going to finally present the DNA evaluation report from the elders. We've been working on this for a year and a half. And uh, we're going to present that to the church. This is our identity document after everything that happened with our former fellowship three years ago. We're really excited to bring that to you. And that'll be presented at the members meeting in October, Sunday, October the 25th. And again, that'll be a hybrid event. We're also going to be establishing the new elders advisory team. We've been waiting on that for a while. We're going to host a two-day discipleship conference in November with uh, Daryl Dash. He's a pastor and author from Toronto. It's the How to Grow conference. Again, a hybrid event in person and live streamed uh, for that. So that's a two-day event in November, hbc.info, in order to register for that and have information for that. 
We're going to host at Christmas, we've been accustomed to doing Christmas Eve services and then also our benefit concert for the Salvation Army. We're going to combine both of those this year and assuming that the restrictions stay the way they are, we've got a great event planned that I think is going to be a huge blessing uh, to you and is going to be a lot of fun as we go into Christmas. And then uh, number eight, uh, we're going to send the Barrett family to South Africa. Not because we're upset with them in any way. Um, but we're, the Barrett family's back there. Why don't you guys just stand for a second? Um, and we're going to send this family. They have a heart to go to South Africa and work with Emmanuel's Wish, and we're super excited to have them going, and uh, we're going to help them along the way as best we can, as quickly as we can, because that's really their heart is to be there. So thanks, guys, uh, for that. Amen. Okay, longer-term vision, which, again, I'm just talking the next 12 months. We want to plant our church in Alliston, and we believe that this is a great time and a great response to the pandemic is to get that church plan that we've been talking about for a while down in Alliston. We want to install some new elders, and we're talking to two men right now in a very preliminary way about that. We want to expand our online presence through our live stream platform. So we love what God is doing through the live stream. Uh, and we, we realize that we have some capabilities with the live stream right now. We want to do more of that. And uh, we want to reach more people uh, through this um, medium that we have in front of us now. So we want to grow that. We want to expand the impact of our PrayForYou.ca initiative that we started a few months ago. And that's been slow to kind of roll out, but we're... Um, we have a couple of really great stories that have emerged out of those signs being on people's lawns. So put a sign in your lawn, put a static sticker in your car. We're going to find other ways to be promoting this initiative. So we're excited about that. It's just a very practical way that we can let people around us know that we love them. We're willing to pray for them. Uh, We want to affiliate with a new network or association of churches, and this has been something that's been on the docket for three years. We have been independent, unaffiliated uh, three years as of December. And uh, we think the time is right now that the identity document is done, our evaluation is done. This is the right time for us to find a family of churches to be a part of. So we're going to work on that over the next few months. And then uh, the last item on longer-term vision is to hire a new permanent worship director or pastor. And that's something we've been working on. So that's uh, in terms of the vision. And I hope all of that, everything we've said here today, you know, I, I hope that you're encouraged I hope that you're blessed by what you've heard. I hope you're inspired by it. I hope your faith is growing. I hope your endurance is strong in these days. I hope your resolve to serve Jesus Christ is firm. I hope that God is using you for his glory. And I hope that you're on mission for Jesus Christ. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against such believers. If all of that is true for you, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And the gates of hell will not prevail against a church that is filled with such believers. So let's be that church, amen? Let's be that church. So I thought it would be appropriate to have one of our elders come and uh, pray to end this. And so Carrie Griffin is going to come, and he's going to pray for us, and then Jordan's going to come and close the service. Come on up, Carrie. Let's bow before the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we have gathered here in person and virtually, we're amazed at your power and awe of your love for us and comforted by your intimate knowledge of every detail of our lives. We are your people. As we affirm this morning in worship, 
truly are so worthy of our praise. Thank you for sustaining us through an extraordinary year. Thank you for providing financially for the ministry so that it's been able to continue to adapt and to flourish. Thank you for our incredible staff team who have worked so hard through often very difficult circumstances and sacrificed much time and energy because of their love for you. And as a conduit of that love for your people they serve. There's been much uncertainty around us these days. On a praise level, we have still been able to celebrate events such as weddings and births, as well as lives given to following Jesus. And there's also been pain from personal and relational struggles, sickness and disease, to the loss of loved ones, and separation of families by border restrictions and health concerns, and for many families, financial hardships. Through all this, we understand more fully our desperate need for you. May your spirit fill us with your peace, which transcends our circumstances and understanding. Help us to grow in patience and love for one another and equip us for godly works. Let us not become so distracted by the chaos of this world that we lose sight of your purpose for our lives and the gift of an eternity spent with our Lord and Creator. Empower us today, we pray, in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.